It's a form of travel that's held a unique allure for vacationers for nearly two centuries. It's luxurious, it's exciting, it's maybe even a little bit romantic. And it comes with an almost endless array of food, drink, relaxation, and entertainment options that when it all comes together makes each and every trip a true odyssey for the senses. Yes, I'm talking, of course, about cruising. There's nothing quite like the feeling of boarding a cruise ship for the first time and imagining everything you're going to see and do in the days that follow. The open seas, the swanky quarters, the infinite possibilities. It's a magical experience. The benefits of cruising were even recognized as far back as 1897, when the British Medical Journal reported that a cruise was a good opportunity to recover your health. Ironically, it was also health headlines that led to the greatest challenge the cruise sector has ever faced. The COVID-19 pandemic brought the industry to a standstill, with operations paused worldwide. But the bigger story here isn't about how the cruise sector was shut down. It's about how the industry has since recovered and reopened. It's a truly remarkable tale of resilience. And hey, who doesn't love a comeback? Welcome to Breaking Bottlenecks, a special insiders podcast series brought to you by the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority. I'm your host, writer and historian Aaron Chapman. On this episode, we're going to explore the tremendous impact the shutdown of cruising had on a different kind of supply chain, the tourism sector. We'll also learn about the tireless effort to bring crews back in a way that's safe, sustainable, and successful. And we'll keep an eye out for any potential challenges, too, as the industry sets sail into the new normal. When a ship with sails is unable to move due to a lack of wind and must drift with the current, it's called becalmed. And that old-timey nautical term could just as easily have applied to Vancouver's cruise industry after the series of COVID-related regulatory changes that left ships empty, docile, and moored. It was only after two long years of being becalmed that the industry was finally welcomed back to local shores in April of 2022. Good morning, everybody. My name is Peter Exotta. I'm Vice President of Planning and Operations at the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority. And it's my pleasure to have you all here to celebrate the return of crews to the Port of Vancouver after two long years. And I'm going to depart from script and say, let's have a Yahoo! It was great to see Peter with such a huge smile on his face and to see it reflected back from the visiting dignitaries who were just as keen to have the stalled tourism sector restart, recover, and rebound. After all, just like the interdependencies and connections of the supply chain we rely on, so too is the cruise industry a complex ecosystem of services and suppliers. And that ecosystem generates jobs and revenue that are vital to Vancouver's economy. More on that later. But first, I wanted to hear from one of the companies at the epicenter of the ecosystem, a cruise line itself. So I reached out to Charlie Ball, Senior Advisor, Office of the President at Holland America Group, and he agreed to chat with me from his office in Seattle. Charlie, welcome to Breaking Bottlenecks. Thank you, Aaron. It's a pleasure to be able to catch up with you. Charlie, it's got to be a monumental relief to be back in business after everything you've endured over the past couple of years. Well, I'll tell you, it's huge to get kind of our giant perpetual motion machines started back up again. It's interesting, but our business, really, if you think about it, had never shut down before. And we've essentially gone through an almost two-year close-down in business. It is totally unprecedented. All of our processes and systems were designed to be operating at 100% all the time. And so to go to zero... We had to learn a heck of a lot about shutdown. And then in the last year or so, we've had to kind of relearn everything about starting something up. We're not a startup, although we play one on TV. 
<laughs> I suppose you've had to wear a bunch of different hats over the course of the shutdown and the restart. So take me back to the early weeks of 2020 when the dominoes were just starting to fall. How did the lockdowns impact your operations? So from March till early April, earlier mid-April, we were disembarking all of our guests from all over the world and trying to navigate a very complicated set of rapidly developing regulations to just get them all home safely. So it's one thing to handle the guests and get them repatriated to their home countries. It's quite another thing to try and move tens of thousands of crew from all over the world uh, back to their home countries. Well, I think it was one of the most difficult pieces. The thing that is true throughout the whole pandemic was we were we were doing things we had never done before. No, we had never disembarked guests in a pandemic where the regulations and the rules were changing every day. We had never needed to move any more than, you know, five or six percent of our crew home in the normal course of rotations before. You know, to have to take everybody home was a, was a new experience. And then once all those pieces got completed, we never had to begin to negotiate with hundreds of different governments to figure out what the rules would be to possibly get ourselves back into business. So each phase had its own difficulties, but the, the consistent thread was that it was novel for us. And we were not at all expert in many of the many of the duties that we were called upon to do. But they had to become experts and fast. We'll hear more from Charlie later, but it's impossible to talk about crews without mentioning tourism. Like other port cities around the world, visitors are hugely important to Vancouver's economy. But unlike other cruise departure destinations, most travelers sailing out of the city spend an extra three days here, seeing the sights, taking in the town. And their two-year absence caused a cascade of economic challenges. The most immediate economic impact is the direct spending at our hotels, the restaurants, the local attractions. However, there's a lot of businesses depend on supply of services of other businesses. So when we factor in the direct and indirect benefits, cruise visitors have a significant impact on our local economy. So more visitors that come to Vancouver, they're spending more, that spending increases. And in turn, that really generates revenues for a lot of local businesses. And the entire supply chain is positively impacted by the supplies and goods that they're providing. In addition to that, we need to really consider the cruise lines themselves and their direct contribution into the destination. A lot of the cruise lines are relying on local producers, particularly for fresh produce. And a lot of that comes from within BC or from even some of our farms here in the Fraser Valley. That is Karen Soika, the Vice President of Strategy and Business Development at Destination Vancouver, a marketing and management organization with 800 members across a variety of sectors. Speaking from her office just across the street from Canada Place, she told me it's a huge relief to have cruise ships back in town. Absolutely. That's <laughs> it's excellent news. And where our offices are located, we can watch as the, the ships come into port. And it's a, a great day when you see one, two, three, and sometimes four ships sitting out there. And seeing four ships, of course, is a far cry from how things were for most of 2020 and 2021. Yeah, when we think back to the start of pandemic, there was a, a lot of disbelief back then. It's you know really hard to imagine that there wouldn't be a, a tourism season, cruise travel or otherwise. I mean, it wasn't just happening here. It was obviously happening around the world. But this was unlike anything any part of our industry had ever planned for. Uh, you know, a global shutdown of the travel and, and tourism industry. A lot of these businesses that are so dependent on crews or international visitors saw 80%, some 90% decline in their revenues. And at that time, it was just 
impossible to imagine that it would be over two years before Vancouver would see another cruise ship. So the impact to say it was devastating is an understatement. So with the stakes so incredibly high, why did it take as long as it did to get those ships sailing again? Well, obviously it's complicated. For one thing, the restart of the sector was shrouded in setbacks and moving targets, with change coming constantly. But there was another constant too, collaboration. To the casual observer, the cruise sector and its related industries may have been paused. But behind the scenes, there was a flurry of activity. Meetings, planning, calls and conversations, not just about the restart itself, but about where the industry was headed as a whole. Over at Destination Vancouver, Karen Soika says the shifting sands of changing health and safety requirements, with the new protocols emerging weekly, brought the entire sector together, including competing cruise lines, in an unprecedented way. There's a lot of collaboration in our destination and the industry as a whole. Every business, I'd say, really did play a key part in it. Um, and we saw a lot of businesses and community partners really working together. I can say, first and foremost, we felt that our, our role was to make sure that we were trying to provide timely information to our industry partners. There's was just so much information that was out there. And we felt that it was you know, constantly changing. Uh, we were getting a lot of questions from consumers, uh, not only you know, close at home, but around the world who were, you know, those restrictions were changing in markets at different times. So there was a lot of information that we felt that we had to make sure that was readily available for our local industry partners here, as well as travelers who were you know, potentially either canceling or postponing their trips. So throughout the pandemic, I, I can say our role really did shift from that place of communication and advocacy to making sure that we're marketing in all the right spaces as time allowed us to do so. So if the pandemic was a test, maybe the ultimate test of the cruise industry's resilience, did it pass? Huh. I'd say tourism passed. Tourism is the definition of resilience. Strength, flexibility, ability to endure really hard times and remain relevant and then to come back stronger and smarter. I think, truly, the industry as a whole is a real testament of, of what resilience can look like. It really took the industry to all but disappear to really have people really take notice of, of its importance. And what we've really seen is, again, all the businesses really working together, really taking efforts to adapt and, and adapt really quickly to changes in, in government requirements, doing everything they could to keep their employees safe, first and foremost, and then making sure that they're ready to welcome visitors. It's, it's really quite incredible. It doesn't mean that uh, we could go with, with a few less challenges, <laughs> but we certainly are adaptable and the people are extremely passionate and, and innovative in what they do. Speaking of government requirements, another critical player in the conversation about restarting the cruise sector was the federal government. And every single person I talked to for this episode had nothing but praise for their point of contact in Ottawa. The Director General of Marine Safety and Security at Transport Canada, Julie Gascon. Yeah, she's a hero. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. But I wanted to find out for myself, so I set up a call with Julie to hear her side of the story. Julie, thanks for being on Breaking Bottlenecks. Thank you so much, Aaron. I'm, uh, I'm delighted to be with you today. I'm delighted, too. Your counterparts in the industry speak so highly of the role you played in helping get crews restarted. One word that keeps coming up is collaboration. How important is that spirit of collaboration from your perspective? I think it's essential. 
it's the way that you got to roll. You have to have, you know, really strong communication and putting effective measures in place in the early days of the pandemic was because of that effective communication. Collaboration was essential. Indeed, the season of the cruise ship restart could not have been possible. I firmly believe that without the ongoing collaboration of the cruise industry with Transport Canada and other government departments. We had what myself, my team and my my, uh, boss uh, our assistant deputy minister safety and security really pushed was that open door policy and we made ourselves available like throughout any call any time i had really late night discussions but it didn't matter it was to support the industry and we were all in with them i know for a fact your colleagues in the cruise sector appreciated that level of support how much of a lift was it to get things going again it was heavy. Um, there were multiple factors that made cruise restart challenging. First, of course, the epidemiological situation was always in flux. So this is why we had to work very closely with the Public Health Agency of Canada to obtain their expert advice on health as we are navigators, naval architects and marine safety inspectors who are not you know, medical or public health specialists. Now, let me add another complexity. Canada does not have cruise ships. Like we have a few ported, some of them in Vancouver, but they are flagged in, you know, Panama or other flag of convenience. So they are uh, not necessarily a Canadian uh, vessel. And they transit between our two beautiful countries, right? The U.S. and Canada. So we didn't want to develop something that was completely off base with what our cousins from the South were doing. So we work hand-in-hand with the Department of Homeland Security, the CDC, uh, the Department of Transport, the U.S. Coast Guard, to be able to remain aligned so that we didn't increase the burden on the industry of having to complete regime. So it sounds like a lot of new relationships were forged. It was really potentially one of the closest collaboration that we had with that sector because many of our cruise operators are not Canadian. So we worked with that in that industry so closely. I think we know everybody by first name from every single cruise line. But um, I see that collaboration to continue. It is it is a beautiful way of vacationing. And we know the communities were, were very happy to see the tourists um, coming back to their shore. So we're looking forward to continuing to work with them. Julie Gascon isn't the only person who's looking forward to a future of even closer collaboration. Back in Seattle, Charlie Ball from Holland America told me that expanding his network of connections was one of the unexpected upsides of the pandemic. We were very rewarded. The Association of Canadian Port Authorities is a group of folks who works with ports all across Canada. And we started a a working group that met every week starting, I think, late last year. And we would just get together and look at what sort of protocols uh, would be acceptable with the local communities. We jointly advocated with transport and the public health agencies. We met with them regularly. And the Port of Vancouver has, was a big leader in that whole process. And so ultimately, I thought it was a great example of how maybe we should do more things in the future where we just all get together and collaborate on the result. It's, it's rather unique, frankly, that we were all kind of in the same tent as the process went along. So I think in the end, the result was a model for where we can get better going forward. I'm glad Charlie mentioned the Port of Vancouver because those folks were really at the center of this radical collaboration to restart sailings amid all those moving targets. Carmen Ortega is the manager of customer engagement at the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority. She says the barriers that have been removed and the rich conversations that have taken place 
have left the industry in even better shape than before. But make no mistake, it wasn't an easy journey. Oh, yeah, for sure. There was a, a lot of work to get to the point where we're at today. Um, you know, a lot of working groups across not only um, industry, government, but across ports everywhere in Canada, which I would say one of the positives out of this, if you can define it as a positive, is that it did bring everybody together in a way that we haven't uh, worked together in the past. We had the opportunity to form a cruise committee through the Association of Canadian Port Authorities. And uh, that was a great forum to bring all the cruise ports from across Canada together. We were doing initially like weekly calls and just really hammering out what do we need to have in place so that everybody can have a successful restart. If we hadn't started those conversations early on and developed that trust and, and confidence, we wouldn't have been able to get to where we got on April 10th, right? With a very successful start of the season, for sure. Earlier, I asked Karen Soika from Destination Vancouver if she considered the pandemic a test of the cruise sector's resilience. But I also wanted Carmen to weigh in on how much of a role resilience played in the restart. Um, a lot, right? Starting even, for example, with the company series uh, terminals who does our day-to-day -day operations they pivoted very quickly because they had the foresight to be able to see that if they lose their staff they're going to have a hard time bringing back people to this industry so they were able to get a contract to manage the vaccination sites across the lower mainland and we're able to hire the people that they would have typically hired for cruise operations. And so in that respect, we've been quite lucky. I think in general, we, we, we did a really good job of pivoting and being able to maintain the resources, you know, as much as possible so that when we got the green light to restart, we had more or less everything ready to go and the people there to help us get it done. It's one thing to have that gift of foresight, but hindsight, as they say, is 2020. And as we set sail for hopefully calmer waters in the years to come, there's a clear sense that the lessons learned from this ordeal will continue to pay off. We'll find out how exactly after a quick break. You are listening to Breaking Bottlenecks Season 2, The Resilient Port, a special insider's podcast series brought to you by the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority. I'm your host, Aaron Chapman. It's no secret that the global supply chain has been severely tested over the past few years, but we're shining a spotlight on the ingenuity, agility, and yes, resilience displayed by Canada's largest port and its partners in the face of that incredible adversity. Check out the show notes to learn more about any of the guests featured in this episode. And if you like what you're hearing, please hit follow wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Before the break, my guests made it very clear that the pandemic will have lasting effects on the cruise sector, especially as it grapples with sustainability, both financial and environmental. Innovation will be required. But thankfully, the port's Carmen Ortega says the industry has had plenty of practice in that department lately. Oh, for sure. I mean, a lot of work was done over the last couple of years related, for example, to passenger processing, right? Um, nowadays, most cruise lines are able to do most of their uh, check-in online. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that they need to be able to upload documents like proof of vaccination, you know, passports, um, all that stuff. And they're able to leverage some of that technology to also do contact tracing. So I think, you know, one of the biggest outcomes of this is 
this advancement on the technology side that will not only make the passenger experience better, but overall, from a, an operational perspective, it makes everything a lot smoother here as well for us as operators of, of Canada Place. And then even thinking in terms of industry, in some ways being forced to work together. I mean, it sounds you know kind of like we weren't working together before, but we weren't working together to the same extent that we had to work together to get this business restarted. I think that was tremendously positive. And so um, the relationships that we have developed over these two and a half years are going to serve us well into the next few years, for sure, in terms of, you know, how do we even improve this even more, right? How do we work better together going forward? One of the key ways the industry is working to improve even more is by focusing on the health of both customers and crew. Charlie Ball says Holland America has already made some massive strides. I think from the standpoint of operation, we have made some tremendous changes in how we think about health and safety and, and how we organize ourselves. So we formed a health operations center so that any regional requirement for reporting or any issue that comes up on the fleet around the world goes into this central facility, which is manned by medical professionals 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So there's a little less variety of the species in our response to these. And we also get to lever best practices much more easily because before we were sort of in a... Uh, disseminated uh, responsibility for our health and safety protocols. So I think we will be much more organized and responsive to these kind of issues going forward. I think that's just one of many places where the value of centralization has really proven itself. Back in Ottawa, Julie Gascon from Transport Canada agrees, saying the pandemic has given the industry invaluable knowledge that could help fight future health threats. Oh my goodness, the COVID, we call that the COVID management playbook, right? So yes, I would say 100%. The, the pandemic, what the pandemic has brought is it brought a way of dealing with those types of crisis or health crisis with procedures, approaches. We, we developed the a national maritime strategy with all of our partners. And we are learning from COVID-19. We are uh, making sure that those processes are here to stay and that we can tap into them. Uh, I mean, the cruise industry had already protocol for some health issues on board, like some viruses that sometimes could spread more easily. But COVID took it a a whole other level. And I think that those processes are here to stay. The other big thing for the industry going forward is environmental sustainability. And the port's Carmen Ortega says the pandemic was also a perfect opportunity to make progress on that front. For sure. You know, the the cruise industry has also leveraged this two and a half years of not having their ships operating to do work on the vessels, right? So I'm a big fan of, of shore power here. One of the most amazing things is that out of the 307 calls that are going to be home ported in Vancouver, 70% of all those calls are now shore power enabled. So cruise lines that historically had not focused on shore power are now focused on shore power. In, In fact, the entire industry has made a commitment to have all their fleets be shore power enabled by 2035, which is amazing. And you know what? It makes sense for our region because we are well positioned to be able to plug those ships in. Our electricity comes from, you know, clean hydroelectricity. 
and we've got the infrastructure in place to be able to plug them in. And so that's great news because every time a ship is plugged in, they are emitting zero emissions. So it's the only technology that eliminates all emissions. Shore power aside, some other environmental programs also picked up steam during the pandemic, including eco-action and vessel slowdown trials, which we're going to discuss in much more detail in our next episode on climate change and sustainability. So what should we take away from everything we've heard about the cruise sector today? And what will my guests remember most about this tumultuous time? For Transport Canada's Julie Gascon, it's a toss-up between the shutdown and the restart. I would say working towards the shutdown of the industry or, or towards the ban was a very, very difficult thing to do. It was a very tough conversation. It's an industry that brings so much pleasure to Canadians who loves to cruise. But I would say, holy guacamole, don't overestimate the restart because it is just as difficult and took all of our energy and all our guts, sweat and tears to be able to to restart safely. And for me, it, it was a lesson learned in terms of the amount of work, the preparation, the thoughtfulness, the reopening phase is the most complex of all of them. That's my lesson learned. I will keep that lesson for the rest of my life. And south of the border in Seattle, Charlie Ball from Holland America says his lesson learned was the critical role of collaboration. Nothing like that. Uh... Fight for your survival will <laughs> make you expand your concept of who your allies are. And I think in this case, it has, it has done so for us in the industry. Some of our strongest advocates for trying to figure out a way to get us back into business were those partners. Our relationship with Vancouver over the, the past couple of years has been particularly great. So that has been a big win beneath our wings for helping Canada get reopened. You know, without their advocacy, I think some of the more remote and less familiar ports might have been more skeptical. Um, I think there's folks at Transport Canada who uh, we can't speak more highly of and who will be trusted resources for us, you know, forever now because of it. So it's been, uh, well, it has been a grading opportunity for my hair. It's also been a pretty wonderful lesson in, in who your friends are. <laughs> I bet, Charlie. As a playwright and a poet of some renown once wrote, Misery acquaints a man with strange bedfellows. Much like The Tempest, the story of the cruise sector during the pandemic isn't really a tragedy or a comedy. It may have started out deadly serious, but in the end, order was restored. And everyone got their well-deserved happy ending. And it sounds like the industry has even emerged stronger, more resilient than it was to begin with. I'm Aaron Chapman, and this is Breaking Bottlenecks. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. And to learn more about the port's operations, you could always visit portvancouver.com. So long for now.